Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the Wellness Wonderland Radio, everybody. I am over the moon today because we have someone I look up to so much and I've learned so much from. The amazing Jessica Ortner is visiting Wonderland today. Jessica is the producer of the documentary film on EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, or Tapping, and The Tapping Solution is such a great film. You definitely want to check it out. And she also has a book coming out that will be published with Hay House very soon. And she's been heard by upwards of 500,000 people nationwide interviewing people for the Tapping World Summit and just doing so many cool things. And I was just telling her before the call that one place where I really got to know her was through the Hay House World Summit. And this year, Jessica hosted many of the interviews with leaders and visionaries and just led these conversations in such cool directions to uncover the best bits of wisdom and inspiration from some of the most inspirational people. So throughout the summit, I enjoyed listening to Jessica's interviews as the interviewer because she would ask exactly what I wanted to know And I felt like I was just talking with a friend because she would ask what I was curious about and clarify whatever I was unclear on, and it was just great. So her interviewing style is much of what I based this show on, actually, and I am just so excited to have her in the hot seat this time as the interviewee. Um, And the whole time in the Hay House World Summit, I looked forward to her interview where she was being interviewed. And it was really cool to hear her inspiring story on tapping and body image and all of these amazing things that she's overcome. So I am so excited for her to share all of that with us today. So thank you so much for being here, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be in Wellness Wonderland. Yay! What can I say? <laughs> Yay! Cool. Well, um, before we die, I have so many questions about your experience and you, but this is just totally something I'm curious on. So before we get into that, let's go back to the um, Hay House World Summit and the Tapping World Summit and talk a little bit about your interviewing style. You have such a gift of smoothly interviewing people. And yeah, like I said before, you really have a knack for it. So authentic and conversational. And I've really learned a lot from you. So do you could you talk about that a little bit? Do you plan your questions and to what extent um, do you do that? Is it something you were trained in or did you just pick it up over time? Well, I've had I've done some training, but a lot of it is just through experience. Now uh, we're starting to do. I'm even starting to plan now the 2014 Tapping World Summit, and wow. it's going to be our sixth year. So I've been doing these summits for six years, which now we see summits all over the place. Right. Uh, but when we started. We were we were really the only ones doing it. When I say we, I mean me and my brother Nick. I work with my brother, and uh, and I also have this club called the Tapping Insiders Club. That again, I think it's been four years running, where I do a lot of interviews on tapping. But when it comes to interviewing, I 
there's a few things that I keep in mind. One thing I always say to myself is, if I don't know anything, does this make sense to me? Mm-hmm. And it might sound a strange question to ask, but I think oftentimes we just assume that people know what the law of attraction is. Right. You know, we just assume that people live and breathe this because this is my life. And I know, okay, this is your life. You know, we are into wellness and health. And uh, we always have to remember that when we're talking to people, I don't, people want things to be simple. And even if our audience is, and I always make the assumption that my audience is very intelligent. So I also say to myself, as a skeptic, I listen as a skeptic. Like if I was skeptical, what question would I have? What what doesn't quite make sense when I think about this? So those are the two things I ask myself. If I didn't know anything, does this make sense? And as a skeptic, what else do I want to know to help this make sense? And I go from there, and I just, I, I have fun. And you, you asked me how much I plan. I actually plan a lot. I plan more than I think most people do. I tend to reach out to the person I'm interviewing beforehand, and I give them a questionnaire. And it's very different than an interview for a radio. So if I'm ever doing something for a radio where I'm I'm hosting, it's more conversational. It's more going with the flow. But when it comes to these summits, it's people are tuning in really for a masterclass. So I really want to know what our objective is, where we want to get people. And so I do do some planning before then. And then I have the questions in front of me, but I also just make sure I'm listening and and going and going with the flow and seeing so, you know, a lot of times an interview just takes on the life of its own. Totally, totally. I can totally relate to that. And um, and what you said starting off about how you just get better over time. It's so funny. I've, I'm on um, this is number fifteen, I think, of of my little podcast that I've started. But you know, number one to fifteen, I, I think, have been people have told me the feedback that I've really um, grown. And I think one of those things. Like you said, you just pick it up over time, but also like planning for sure. But then I used to kind of get a little bit overwhelmed with that. I'd have all these things I wanted to ask or want them to go in this order. And it's really about going with that flow and being able to say, well, we're talking about this right now. And I was going to ask that 10 questions later, but let's just bring it up here now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And also to have the courage to listen to yourself. And I say courage because it does take courage for everybody to listen to their own voice and their own interviews, because it's so easy for us to critique ourselves. And it it was very, I grew a lot from being able to listen to myself and to not judge myself, but to notice, am I speaking too fast? Does this make sense? And once you gain more confidence, I, I think when I listened to the first interviews I did six years ago, I would speak really fast because I'd want to get so much in and also right. just out of nerves and excitement. And the other thing I would do is I would say awesome all of the time. <laughs> like someone would respond to a question and I'd go, awesome. And I'd like go to the next thing. And I didn't even realize that I had this habit unless I, until I heard one of my interviews and I was mortified because I was like, because someone tell so me to funny. stop saying the same word over and over again. Yeah, you know? it's so funny. Everybody has their stuff, right? Like yeah. Their, their go-to thing. It's, it's funny. when In my yoga teacher training, it was the same thing that people always told me I would say, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, all the time. It was just my 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 awesome like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it's really good to listen to yourself to to get to know those things and and then and then learn from them and um and keep growing and getting better, which is really cool. So, thank you for giving me some insight there. This was 
super helpful for me and, and anybody just having conversations, I think, with anybody, just making sure that you're listening and you're not trying to, whether you're having a conversation that's being recorded or you're just having a, a deep conversation with someone and wanting it to go in really cool directions, I think listening is super important and just going slow and being being patient and waiting for those things to come up. And um, so I think everybody can kind of learn from that. You make a great point. And listening is something that takes practice. And to be honest, I was not a natural listener. I just was always chatting about something. And and I that's something I've gotten better. And I also know that when I interview someone, and not just when I interview someone, anyone who's listening, even if you don't do interviews, if you have the opportunity to have dinner with somebody, it's so easy to get into the habit, or for certain people, at least for me, when I get nervous, I just talk too much because I was nervous. And I felt really uncomfortable with any kind of silence because I, I so desperately wanted the other person to like me. And so by being more comfortable with silence and, and listening and also knowing that when I'm interviewing someone, I can talk about my perspective, which I think really helps, but knowing that the other person is the expert. Because so often people interview, and you can tell they're interviewing from a place of, well, I just want to interview this person because I want people to think that I'm just as cool as them. And so, and I want to, and I want to impress this person that I'm interviewing by telling them how I, everything I know. And obviously there's, you want it to be a conversation and like we're doing now, I think it's really valuable, but people can just sense it when, when it's, when your focus is not on the other person. And when I interview, my goal is to make the other person look as good as possible. Mm, That's so good. And it's just all so insightful and and like you said, anybody, whether you're interviewing someone across the table at dinner or just meeting someone new, I think listening and, and really making the other person shine and getting getting out the goodness from them is kind of our job just as people interacting with each other. Yeah. And what's, what's so interesting, too, is if you want someone to like you, ask them questions and listen, no matter who they are. That's the best way to create that rapport and that relationship. Too often we think that the way that we can create those relationships is by talking about us and trying to give them enough information that they see our value. But there's, you know, so much is said by simply listening. Mm, So good. I'm already so inspired. (laughs) Um, This is amazing. Okay, so I guess continuing our interview, our interview about interviewing, (laughs) um, I guess let's jump into your wellness journey. So... You've created your own wellness wonderland that you live in now, and um, you help so many people get into that place and release stress, and you've kind of become this seeker of a stress-free, healthy life. Um, Could you kind of walk us through that journey, and was there a big shift somewhere for you that um, really brought you there? Could you kind of just kind of get us started on your journey with you? Absolutely. I struggled a lot in school. And I think I was someone that naturally was very anxious. I was always in my head. I was always trying to strategize and overthinking things. And I, I, when, by the time I got into high school, my grades were better, but because I had this belief that I wasn't smart enough, I always felt like I had to just prove myself. And then if anyone gave me any acknowledgement, I thought that I was tricking them. And I always felt like a fraud. And During that time when I was just struggling in high school, I was 16 years old, I came across personal development books. And it really started out of a fear, out of an insecurity. And this is what happens to 
a lot of us, we get on this journey of wellness because we think something needs to be fixed. And what we really discover when we start this journey is that we've never really needed to be fixed, but what we need more than anything is self-acceptance. And no amount of self-discovery and personal development can make up for the lack of self-acceptance. And while I was you know, studying all these different things, I decided to leave college and you know, by the time I was 19, I was certified in hypnotherapy, and I was just very passionate about alternative ways of thinking, and I was really interested in this whole wellness environment that now we know so much, but growing up, it wasn't around me. I kind of, um, and it also, it wasn't really that big on the internet either, so it was mostly just reading different books, and then uh, I found tapping because when I left college to really pursue. I wanted to study meditation and hypnosis and NLP. And I took this really big leap of faith. And I remember thinking, well, if I really just try everything, then the universe is going to participate. You know, like I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to take that leap of faith and I'll find the ground. And what happened was I took that leap of faith and felt more lost than I ever was before. And I got really frustrated because I thought, you know, I read all of these books about like having courage and just trying and I just felt like I was doing everything and nothing was working and I was exhausted and I got really sick with a cold and it, I just, it was a, it was the flu and you know, it was winter in New England and it just wasn't going away. And my brother Nick came over and he's like, listen, I, there's this technique I learned online. So obviously, I, for my first reaction, I was not giving it much credit. I was like, okay, what's this weird thing you learned online? <laughs> he's like, just give it, give it a try and see if it helps. And so I started to use my fingers to tap on these acupressure points while I focused on how sick I felt. And by doing that, I really became centered in my body. And I looked at him in total shock. And I said, I don't want to get better. He's like, what do you mean? I, and I said, I am so exhausted and I'm trying so hard and I'm angry at God. I'm angry at the universe. I felt like, you know, things should be different by now. And I just want a break. And it, and I was sick. I wasn't faking it. And I didn't sit at the kitchen counter and, you know, at the kitchen table and think, I'm going to get the flu. It just happened. But in that moment, I realized how much my anxiety was impacting my health. And so we started to tap while I focused on this real sadness of feeling like I'm trying so hard and, you know, I just want to break. I just, you know, need some kind of opportunity. And I felt this shift and it wasn't in my brain. It wasn't like a, a just a aha moment. It was a physical reaction. I felt this physical transformation, this shift. And I took a deep breath in and my sinuses were clear and I was like, oh my goodness, this is wow. I'm just blown away. But like anything, oftentimes we go to things that help us when we really need them. But then when we get better, we forgot what led us there. You know, I call it like happiness amnesia. And I still have to make sure it's easy for me to say, oh, I don't need to meditate tonight. I had a great day. But that's not the point. You know, you want to do these things on a daily basis for maintenance, the same way we take a shower on a daily basis. You don't want to wait until you're so stinky that you're, you know, that people don't want to be around you. And so, but I, that's what I would do. I'd only use this when I was panicking and when I really needed it, never thinking it would be a career. And then Nick came up with the idea. My brother, Nick came up with the idea of 
of making a documentary film. And I thought, you know, this is, this is actually a great idea because there's a huge community that was using tapping. But when somebody talks about it, it's hard to believe. It just sounds too far-fetched. It just sounds like you're promising too much. And we thought if we have a film that shows before and afters, then we don't have to tell people it works. We can show them. And there's already a great community of people who use it and so desperately wanted to find an easy way to share it with their sister-in-law, with their coworker. And so we made this documentary by putting $20,000 on credit cards. I moved in. My parents let me move back into their house, and I worked from the basement. And Nick lived in like this tiny little apartment, and we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, the first six months was a total disaster. And somehow, I still think it's a miracle. And I think a big part of it was we used tapping to deal with our anxiety around what was possible to help us keep going. And we came out with this you know, great film that I'm really, really proud of. And we've built this, you know, big business where you mentioned we have half a million people that listen into our, our yearly events and we have different products. And now I work with both my brothers. So it's a, it's a dream. I mean, I can, I feel like I need to pinch myself. It's, it's amazing. And it's, we've come a long way. We've been doing this now for seven years uh, but we've definitely, I definitely feel like we've created a wonderland. Yeah, yeah, wow, that, that story gives me chills. It, it's really cool to hear the backstory of all of that and how tapping, how, not how you found tapping, but really how it found you. And yeah. that's, that's really awesome. So <laughs> awesome, there we go, I'm saying your word now. <laughs> um, but I guess bringing us to the present now with your life, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but... Um, how now do you use tapping as part of your daily life and what you're working with today? So I use it almost on a daily basis. And I say almost because so many times you hear experts and they're like, every single day I do this. And I just don't work like that. Like if you tell me to do something every day, I will rebel. I don't, <laughs> I don't you know, like I, I don't like those restrictions and I know that about myself. So, I, but I would say that, you know, in a week, in a seven-day week, five of those days, I'm tapping every evening. And I'm definitely grabbing moments here and there to tap. That definitely happens. So what I do, my personal practice, is I I open the yoga mat. I get on the, on the yoga mat, and that's my sacred space. And I put on, it's a song called the Devi Prayer, D-E-V-I Prayer. It's just practice. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. And for me, it's just practical because it's 20 minutes. So I know that if I listen to the whole song, I'm, you know, having time with myself for these 20 minutes. And I start by just doing some light stretching just to get into my body to figure out what's going on. Because when we're so busy and we're so fast paced, we burn out because we don't see the signs beforehand. Our body lets us know when something isn't right. But if we're too busy to listen to our body, that's when we get sick. That's when we really have a, a big breakdown. And so by just moving my body a little bit, I start to realize, yeah, you know, I, I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach or I feel this pressure in my chest. And then I, I sit down to meditate and I think about any tension I feel or anything that's making me nervous. And I spend some time focusing on that and tapping and then the next thing I do, or if I have a day where I'm thinking, you know, I had a good day. I, I, you know, I don't really feel much tension. I'm very proactive with my tapping where what I do is I imagine what I want. So I imagine me at my, being at my best. Sometimes it's me doing something specific. Sometimes it's just a picture of myself. And I ask myself, what doesn't feel safe about this image? Because as we continue to grow, we're constantly expanding our comfort zones. 
And so, you know, I've come such a long way and I feel you know, confident and, and for the most part, very comfortable. But as I grow, I have my own insecurities of, okay, I'm comfortable with speaking in front of 500 people, but now it's a thousand people. And I think this is important because so often we think that we need to do personal development so that we can get somewhere. We can get to this moment where then everything makes sense and then we're done. And, you know, we figure everything out. And as you evolve in just life and as you grow, you're constantly expanding. And I think that's where we get the most fulfillment. And so I still have moments that I get nervous about a new opportunity. Like I was nervous about the Hay House World Summit. I've done a bunch of summits myself, but I've never done one for Hay House. And so what I do is I imagine myself succeeding and I ask myself, what doesn't feel comfortable about this? And I focus on that while I tap on the points. And for someone, you know, we haven't really talked about what tapping is. I'm hoping that some people might have some awareness of it, but just a quick... Right, right. Let's let's take a step back and maybe just, um, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of talking a little bit about... And I'll definitely post some videos of you um, really explaining tapping in more detail. But maybe if you could just start by giving us a little bit of a brief overview and talk a little bit about the points. Absolutely. So I think we've all had that experience where we are thinking about something or something happens. We get that phone call with that bad news. We open that email. And suddenly it's not just we, ha- we don't have an emotion simply sitting nicely in our brain. We feel it in our entire body. We feel it in our stomach. We feel it in our chest. And then there might be some people who say, oh, well, just think something happier. Think of something else. And you're thinking, I can't. Like, I, my, this emotion has hijacked my body. I feel consumed by it. Mm. And, we, and we know this intuitively. We say, I just had a gut feeling. He broke my heart. We don't just feel emotions in our brain. We feel them in our entire body. And so when you have a thought that creates this reaction in your brain, what's going on is that you have a part of your brain, the reptilian brain, that's called the amygdala. And when you get that thought that feels threatening, your mind actually thinks it is a real threat. And how did we used to interpret threats? We would either fight or we would flee. We would run away. But we would take some type of action. And so we have adrenaline running through our body. We have this overproduction of cortisol. Blood leaves our brain, goes into our extremities, so that goes into our arms and our legs that we can fight or run. And so suddenly when you're in that panic state, you can't think. You can't make a decision. You don't know the solution. It's a complete panic because your body is meant to do something physical. The challenge is we don't do something physical. We just sit there and we freeze or we just sit in front of the computer or we just, you know, talk about it, but with, with feeling like we're being, again, hijacked by these emotions. And so what we do with tapping is we use our fingers to tap on these acupressure points. And when you're focusing on what's bothering you and you begin to tap these acupressure points that are on your body, it sends a calming signal to the brain from your body, letting your brain know that you are safe, that it's safe to relax. And so suddenly it, it, it's, you have that disconnect between the thought and that physical tension and stress in your body. And once you do that, you're able to be more resourceful. You can see a solution. You can see a different way. You can take a deep breath. And then it becomes easier to think a more positive thought or to focus on the solution. But if we're not addressing the way our body is reacting, so oftentimes we're just hitting our head against the wall thinking, oh, why can't I just think a positive thought? Why can't I just get over this? Or we think, I'm smarter than this. Why am I letting this impact me? I'm a spiritually evolved person. Mm-hmm. Why am I angry? And we, we judge our feelings. And so with the tapping 
we're just able to communicate. It's a communication between our body and our mind. And the setup statement with tapping, which is how we start the process, is even though, and you state the problem or the feeling, so even though I'm angry, or you can do a physical problem, even though I have this headache, I love and accept myself. And I always say this is the moment where a lot of people roll their eyes or think, whoa, 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 this is, this is a little bit out there. What do you mean I love and accept myself? Right. Pile on emotions. We get upset, and then we get upset over getting upset. We think, oh, I'm better than this one. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm so angry that I'm angry. Why <laughs> impact me? And so by saying that you accept the way that you feel, you stop piling on those emotions, and you're really able to relax and then address what's going on. So you say the setup statement while you tap on the karate chop point, and then you tap on the rest of the points, which you said you're going to have a video where people can see. Right. In, in total, it's nine points. And the key is to focus on that thought or that feeling. People get stuck on it. Oh, am I doing it right? Am I saying the right words? It's not so much about the words as much as just being honest with yourself. So you can just imagine that you're calling your best friend. Heck, you can call your best friend and complain. But instead of the regular complaining to your best friend, tap while you're complaining. So you're, again, that, that thought is triggering the amygdala brain. You're tapping on these acupressure points. It's sending that calming signal. And then you can be able to talk about it and relax. Mm, I love that idea of actually doing it on the phone with someone, doing that same thing, that venting that a lot of people call it, but tapping while you're doing it. Exactly. I think that's super powerful and a really good practical tip. And I was hoping, too, at the very end of the call, maybe you could walk me through a short tap so people could kind of see how that works and tap along with us. Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely do that. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, I have a couple more questions for you before we get there. So... Talking more again about your personal journey, um, could you talk to us about the biggest hurdle or mental block that kept you stuck the longest and how you overcame that? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually, there's two of them when I look back that are pretty clear. And one of them I mentioned already, which was this, this idea that I wasn't smart enough. And so even when I was reading books and getting you know good grades, I felt like a fraud. And I felt like I had to work so hard to hide the truth, which was I'm not smart. And, it, you know, it went from childhood experiences. Uh, I had trouble reading. I had to stay back um, and do second grade over again. I had a speech impediment. So I was also taken out of class for speech, uh, to, to work on a speech impediment, which is so ironic because now this is what I do. I speak right. <laughs> for my job, but... I had a pretty severe speech impediment, and so what I did with the ta- with the tapping is I I really focus on these beliefs that I just wasn't smart enough. So it's as simple as tapping on, even though I feel like I'm not smart enough, and I have to hide this from everyone else. I love and accept myself, and then what really created the shifts is taking those moments. You know, we think that the time when I was eight years old and I had the speech therapist, you know, interrupt my teacher in the middle of class and point at me to get up in front of everybody to leave. And then I had to do speech therapy. And then I was also in like a special class since I was having so much trouble uh, within the larger class, they would put me like in a, in a special class for support and then coming back to all my friends and them saying, why do you keep being taken out of class? Oh, so rough. The response in my head was because I'm dumb, but then I would make up like a lie. I was such a good liar when I was little. Like I would just make these like huge, 
I mean, you listen to them now and they're ridiculous, the lies a nine-year-old can think of, but I would always have some kind of, like, detailed lie as to why I was being taken out. And you might look back and think, uh, yeah, people go through worse things in life. You know, like, that was rough, but people go through worse things. And you think, I'm an adult now. That doesn't impact me anymore. I'm not in school anymore. And, I'm, you know, I'm doing well now. But those things do impact us. And we forget. And then what happens is when we don't address those moments, we continuously create them. And so then in my adult life, if I needed, if I didn't do something right, I felt like I had to hide it from everybody. And I always felt like I had to make up a, a lie, really, a, you know, to cover any mistake I made. And so what I did with the tapping is I focused on those moments. So even though I felt so, I had, I felt such incredible shame when I got called out from class and love and accept myself, even though I felt incredibly dumb and less than when I was called out from class, I love and accept myself. And then tapping while you allow yourself, I would tap while I would allow myself to grieve those moments. Because again, we like, we just put them to the side. I'm like, oh, I'm intelligent. I know better. That's not that big of a deal. But I allowed myself to be really sad and to feel those feelings and to tap on that. And that made, that's just made such a big difference. So that was one of the beliefs that was really hard for me. The other belief was around my body. So I started struggling with weight when I was just, when I just hit puberty. I was one of the first girls in, in school to get breasts. Also, as you know, I stayed back a year. So I was an early bloomer, but on top of that, because I was a year older than everybody in my grade, I really was an early bloomer. And I got a lot of attention for my breasts, and it made me very uncomfortable. And I turned to food out of this anxiety. And then as I gained weight, I realized that I felt safer. I didn't get as much attention from guys. I didn't feel like I was being, girls were being as mean to me. And so food became a way to deal with anxiety and my weight became a way to just hide and to feel safer. And then, then I had this belief of, well, if I could only lose weight then, I mean, this happened actually later on when I was still just working on the film, I had this idea of if I could, if I could lose this weight and be healthier, then everything would work. And I had a mentor once tell me I was doing a wellness event and I was volunteering to learn more. And this, this man who I admired so much, I looked up to him so much said, you know, you're fat, right? Mm. I, I was just, I didn't know what to say. And he's like, and no one, no one's going to listen to what you have to say if you're fat. If you get on stage, they're just going to be thinking about how fat you are. Ugh. And, and I said... Terrible. Yeah. And then get this. And then I said to him, when he said, uh, when he said you're fat, my response, which, again, I was, at this point, I was 20 years old, and I don't even, it was the first thing that came out of my mouth, you know? Like, you can never think, I always think about the clever things to say the next day, right? But I just said, um, oh, well, I still can get boys, which wasn't... <laughs> But like, I just kind of somehow thought that if I could say that I don't have a problem with men, then it's some way I could defend um, my weight or my, myself. And he goes, oh, well, that's just because you have boobs. Oh, my gosh, this guy. It was awful. And so that really knocked me out. And that just knocked me down. And then another aspect of it was I felt like, well, now if I lose the weight, then I will be proving him right. And I felt this rebellion. I, I was so sick of this status that women have to be this certain size. 
And I was like, you know, if I can't be perfect enough, if I can't do it, I've tried so hard and I never can do it. So if I can't do it, I might as well just say F you to everybody and just eat what I want. And at least when I'm emotionally eating, I feel like I have some power through rebelling. I feel like I have some control. And so I would like rebel and then emotionally eat again. And so much of my body issues, it, it was, and so much of my attempt to lose weight and be healthier, it had nothing to do with me. It was about everybody else. I was doing it because I thought that I would be liked by everybody else, but I didn't want to prove this person right, but I didn't want to get too much attention from men, but I felt like I couldn't have a successful career until I lost the weight. So as you can tell, it was just a disaster in my head right. around what I felt this meant. And I didn't have really a breakthrough. I mean, I had, I, one of the things that happened was after the movie came out, it was one of the first time I, times I was recognized and a woman was praising me and I was over the moon. Cause I was like, Oh my God, someone recognizes me and this is so fun. And then she said, Oh, you're a lot bigger than I thought. And I'm five two. So I'm not tall by any, by any means of the word. So she said that, and that was like maybe the fifth time somebody had commented on my weight. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I had a friend say to me, she goes, a lot of people, most people don't get this many comments about their weight. And I felt like I was continuously attracting in my life people that were reflecting the words I was saying to myself. Mm. And so I decided I'm not going to diet. I'm not going to go on a crazy exercise plan because that's what I would do. I'd go on a crazy diet or I'll be like, I'm doing a juice fast for seven days or I'm going to join, you know, before this CrossFit wasn't a big thing, but I would have joined CrossFit. Like I would have done. Like I was like, I'm going to do kickboxing or I'm going to only do Pilates. And I'd like really panic and go into these things. And uh, I said to myself, I got to, I got to stop because that strategy is not working that I would, I would feel that panic. And I, I, I kept thinking the panic was the answer that if I stressed out enough, then at least I'd have the motivation to do something. Not only, that would only sustain me for a certain amount of time until I'd relax or something else would grab my attention. I'd go right back to the emotional eating. And so it wasn't until that once that she said that comment, I thought to myself, you know what, I have learned, I've interviewed hundreds of tapping experts. And this is the one area of my life that I haven't faced with tapping because it felt so scary. And because I've been taught that it's not about the emotions, it's about the food and the exercise, and it's about willpower. And so even though I, I knew better, and I was learning, and I was in this wellness field, I was just so scared of looking out my weight in a different way because I was also scared of what can of worms I might open because there's so much pain around that issue and but I promised myself that that was what I was going to do that I was going to stop dieting and I was going to stop doing extreme exercise I was only going to spend some time looking at the emotional aspects and it really was a few months but it was incredible I mean in the first month I lost 10 pounds which is I almost hesitate to say that because I I think it's very unhealthy when we have these really crazy expectations we create for ourselves when it comes to weight loss. I think the best weight loss is when you have it over a period of time. But then after those 10, pa- 10 pounds came off, then the rest of the weight, it was really gradual. And it was always as I just dug deeper with these emotional things. And I got more comfortable around being seen and around shining. So w- once I started getting results, my brother Nick was like, you need, you need to do a program about this. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I never thought I'd teach this. This was just a really hard journey that I went through. And he was like, you've got to do it because you've been there and you know what it feels like and you can help women. So I started doing the seven-week program and it did really well. And I was happy with it. But still, I was a little bit shy about it. And then Hay House came to me and they're like, we want you to write a book about weight loss and body confidence. 
and I thought, oh shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I always dreamed to write a book with with Hay House, but I thought, man, this is this is such an emotional topic for me. And like we talked about before, when you do that visualization, you get to the point in your life where you're comfortable at a certain stage, and then you have to take that next step. And it's like, okay, well now can I feel comfortable around more people and more people and shine at a greater level? And so it's been such an amazing journey for me. And I know that if I didn't have tapping as a daily practice, I wouldn't have been, you know, I'd be sitting in front of the couch with a bag of something, um, watching a sitcom and just trying to ignore all the opportunities because they're terrifying sometimes. Wow. That whole story is so inspiring and just the whole thing gives me chills and congratulations on your book. Thank you. It's coming out next May. So we have some, it's, well, it's, it's still this year or no, it's next year, but it's, um, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I finished writing it and now we're just in the editing phases of it and, I'm I'm so proud of it. I'm so happy that I am proud of it. I was so scared that I wouldn't like my own book. I was joking with someone. You're just like, you really hope that you read back and you like your own book, but I am so proud of this book. I think it's going to make a really big difference, and I have tapping meditations that people can follow along, and I talk about my journey, and I've worked with hundreds of women. You know, over 3,000 women have gone through my program as well, so there's a lot of their stories, and yeah, I'm just... I'm. I'm over the moon about it. I'm really excited about it. Oh my gosh, me too. It's it sounds amazing, and you can hear your passion in when you talk about it, and it really like exudes through you. So, and I and it's like you know what your brother said to you. It's like your obligation to share when you've been able to heal yourself in such a massive way and and have these massive effects, even though it was so difficult for you, and it was a journey that was tough and you really had to look things straight in the eye and maybe you don't want to go through that again but you did to help other people and I think that's just so noble and and really amazing thank you thank you I'm yeah I'm excited about somebody said to me the other day I I was talking to a friend from childhood and I was telling her I cannot believe I wrote this book I can't believe I wrote this book never in a million years I think I'd read about weight loss and body confidence again because that was like my biggest struggle and she's like well you know what they say your mess is your message and I guess that's like a common saying. I've never heard that before, but it's true that a lot of times we struggle with, and we have to make sure that we've gotten to the other end. A lot of times we try to teach too early while we're still going through it. And I think it's important to give ourselves that time to go through it and to kind of be on the other side and spend some time on the other side before we start teaching. But what's what's really comforting, and it's a it's something that I somebody told me when I was going through a lot of pain, they said, if you are hurting this deeply, it just means that you're meant to be a healer. And I really took those words and I thought, you know, if I feel so deeply, then yeah, maybe this is because I can have a greater level of compassion for other people. And yeah. maybe this is something that I'm, I'm supposed to do and help other people. And maybe this isn't my weakness, but my strength. And I think a lot of women, we see our vulnerability and we see how much we feel and we think, oh, why can't I just get it together? This is awful. Why am I so emotional? And other people seem to just like glide through life. And I think there's a real gift about being emotional. And when you're in that moment of saying, oh man, this really sucks. Like I'm really deep in this hurt, knowing that there is another side and that that eventually will, you know, it'll, it'll be inspiring at the end. You'll learn a lot from it. Wow, yeah, I love especially the point you made there about not trying to teach too early. And I think a lot of us, um, 
you know, have this eagerness in the sense that we know we're on this journey for a reason, and that's true, but there's more work that we need to do before we can actually teach it. But I think that's just a really good point that you made there that I hadn't really heard before. Yeah, thank you. Um, Okay, cool. So obviously tapping has served you in massive ways, these huge shifts that you had in your life. Um, And then you've kind of brought us into the present with how you still use it to maintain um, your lifestyle now. So any tips for people maybe just getting started on this, or maybe they've been aware of tapping and its benefits for a while, but getting people to use the technology in a stressful situation or a painful experience and remembering to turn to tapping rather than unhealthy coping mechanisms like food or alcohol or anything else that someone might do. So how do you make that second nature when you turn to tapping? Do you have any practical tips there? Yeah, absolutely. I joke in the book that I used to be an SOS tapper. I'd only tap if it was like the ship was going down. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, that's that's fine. That's actually okay. We don't want to judge that either. It's great. At least I was doing the tapping when things were going bad. Uh, but one of the things I learned that it's so important to be proactive. And the great thing about having a tapping practice is that it's not, you don't have to do something for an hour it's as easy as doing it for 15 minutes. And so for me, like I said, it was putting, it's putting on that song for 20 minutes, but even, you know, 20 minutes can seem a lot for a certain amount of people, even putting a, a kitchen timer. I live off of this kitchen timer. Actually, my friends tease me because I have this kitchen timer and it's on my desk and I do everything with it. Especially when you're self-employed, I feel like you need to have some, in order to be productive, I think it's really good to have some awareness of time. It's just really easy for time to slip away. And so what I'll do with the timer is I'll put it on for 10 minutes and I'll just say, especially if I don't want to face something, because this is the thing, it's a lot easier to ignore things than to have to go, okay, I'm going to sit and actually feel this feeling while I tap. But by putting the timer on just for 10 minutes, it creates that space where where you say to yourself, just for these 10 minutes, I'm going to tap. And then if I feel like stopping after 10 minutes, I'm done. I don't need to do any more and I'll honor that. And what happens so often is in 10 minutes, I have a huge shift or after 10 minutes, I'm in it and I just want to keep tapping. But creating that short burst of time is really helpful. So I do that. And then this is just the, in case anyone is curious, because I talk about having a timer all the yeah, time. Yeah, I am. <laughs> do the same thing. Like when I wrote the book, what I would do is I'd put the timer on for an hour. And even if I was in the flow, I would make myself stop. And a lot of people like cringe at that. But what I realized was that if you continue working and you just kind of go for it, you can burn out really easily. And then when you burn out, it takes two hours and you possibly might lose the day. You might not be able to get back to the writing. So by giving myself an hour and then I time 15 minutes or sometimes even 20 minutes before I have to get back to writing – then I just relax and I just, you know, I just do nothing. I just sit outside for some time. I mean, I wrote, I wrote the book in, I'm in New York. I wrote the book in Connecticut. I, my, my brother Alex was really kind and he let me live with him and his family for two months while I wrote the book. And I would just sit outside on the brick wall and just stare outside, stare outside. And I think those things are really valuable. We think we always need to be really productive, but I time myself so that I still have some stru- some structure in my day, but I make sure I have some time to just kind of sit and think about things, especially when you have to be in the creative mode. That's really important. It's not like 
when you have to move to a new place where you have to just like do it and like go for it and like pack those boxes. Like you can't have that same intensity when it comes to being creative and creating things. You have to be, uh, you have to just make sure that you're doing a lot of self care and being easy on yourself. So yeah, having that time, it really helped. And then, uh, now I'm not so now I'm finished writing the book, but I'll still say, okay, I'm just going to spend an hour on all of my emails and then I'm done. I have to move to the next thing because you can spend all day just responding to things. And so I do, I put the timer on, I do that for an hour and then I stick my cell phone in the other room and I just, you know, sit down in my office and I, you know, and I get to, uh, I get to work like on something else besides emails for, for another hour. Wow, that is such a great practical tip of motivation for people who are creative or maybe you're a designer or you're a writer or even just any kind of job you have that I think bringing, incorporating that timer into um, your productivity can be a great tool. So thanks for giving us that. Another thing I want to recommend, this is so off yeah. topic, talking about a kitchen timer and this is like not about tapping at all, but I do no, think good. The other thing is I have an app called Self-Control, which blocks out social media. So, I mean, I'm much better. I did a, while I was making the film, I got off social media for, I mean, not making the film, uh, make, writing the book. I got off social media for two months. I pre-programmed all of my Facebook posts. And, uh, and it was really important for me to disconnect from everything that's going on. And I think it's so often just constantly feel like, you know, we have that fear of missing out. We have to check the Facebook or the Twitter or the Instagram and see what's going on. And it's, for me, I just noticed it's so important to take time and create those restrictions because I'm social. I'm a social butterfly. I like to see what's going on. Right. So um, this app is just called Self-Control. And when I, when I put the timer on to really do some focused work, I, I make sure that I, that I put on, it's, you know, self-control is like a timer. So I'll say for the next two hours, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are blocked. I love that. And we'll definitely put the link to that below. I think that can definitely be helpful for people because it is so frustrating. I know for myself where you um, want to get something done and you're really excited about getting something done, but something distracts you. And then that thing could be even really great and something you really need to handle, but it distracts you from the ultimate thing you were planning to do or needed to do or wanted to do. And then you feel bad about yourself that you didn't get that done. So it's kind of this endless cycle. So I think that those tools can be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find them really helpful. I've never shared them with anyone else before. So side scoop of what I do. I love that. I love that. Well, keeping going with that inside scoop, could we talk business a little bit? Sure. Um, so, okay. How do you recommend... Um, having that confidence to build your business and go out on your own, being an entrepreneur to support yourself by doing what you love and making that that shift. Um, it seems like you've attracted such great opportunities into your life and had so much um, great success. Do you have any ideas for people kind of getting started there? Yeah, absolutely. I think two of the biggest things is number one, not being scared to make a mistake and number two being flexible because a lot of people might look at me now and think oh like everything that she does and the tapping solution does it's it's there's a high quality to it uh you know it looks it looks great and you know we've been doing this for seven years so a lot of people look at us 
now, because especially like Nick's book came out and become a, became a New York Times bestseller, and he's been on Dr. Oz, and we're definitely making a bigger splash this year than we ever have before, and it's easy for people to look and say, oh, that was overnight success. And it wasn't. It's been seven years of working to this point. And when I look back at when we first started the company, we had to be okay with putting things out there that weren't perfect, knowing that we'd learn along the way, and also being flexible. And what's interesting about this whole being flexible is I didn't realize that this was a trait that I have as well as my brothers who I work with until we hired someone to help us. Um, you know, now we're, we're a bigger company and we, we have staff and we hired someone to help with affiliates. And she said that with all the companies she's ever worked with, she's never been in a company where people can be so flexible and completely change things that aren't working right away. So we'll work really hard on something and we might realize this sucks. <laughs> good like we we thought this would work but it actually doesn't and sometimes you don't know something's not going to work until you're near the end of of working on it and you have to be okay with saying okay I'm we got to do something completely different and not holding on to the way that you think that it should be and having that just having that awareness and so yeah a lot of times in our business two things like we've we've made a lot of mistakes we still make mistakes you know, we just try to hide them as but every business makes mistakes. You know, you're always, we're constantly trying something new and some things work better than others. And then the other thing is just that willingness to be flexible as time goes by and in the moment choose, choose what's best. And this is the thing we're, oh, we're so many people are sitting on the sidelines just waiting to get all the answers. You can't figure out the answers unless you start. You got to get off the bench. You need to get in the game and you will not figure out what you're meant to do until you start. And too often we get so obsessed with the end goal of what we want. And we think we have to strategize and know, you know, for example, someone might say, I want to write a book and they think, but or I want to self-publish, but then I don't really know, like, how do I get, how do I work with distribution and who should I have as affiliates? And you're thinking, and I'm thinking, no, no, start writing the book. Right. Like worry about even how to self-publish. Just worry about chapter one and then chapter two and then go through that. I, I feel like everything that I've, I've ever completed. That's the only way because if not, anyone gets overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. And that you have to focus on the first step, and that was do that first step, and then be flexible because again, the solutions appear as you start walking, and you might go down a completely different path than the path that you initially had in your mind. Mm, so good. It's like it's like those quotes um, that Yogi Bhajan quote. That's like. When the pressure is on you, start and the pressure will be off or, you know, leap and the net will appear. It's just, it totally makes sense. And that's clearly what you did to start your business, which is so inspiring. And we all have our fears and insecurities. And I think it's so important, especially people like us who, there, there are other people who learn from us. It's so important for us to be open about that because... I'm definitely not the same person that I was seven years ago. Tapping has given me this this solid foundation. And for some other people, it's meditation or yoga. But I definitely feel like I have this really strong core and this confidence that I didn't have before. But I still have these moments where I'm scared, where I where I care about what someone else thinks. And it's those moments where I have to just keep myself in check again and kind of go back to what I know and have that moment where I allow myself to tap. But if you're waiting to never be scared, you're never going to take any action. You're never really going to get anywhere because 
the part of growing is expanding your comfort zone. And like I said before, to get out of your comfort zone, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> so right. you have to be okay with having that moment of being uncomfortable and having a tool like tapping and all the other great things that you teach on your website to be able to find then that, that bit of comfort in that uncomfort so we can keep going. Mm, you're so great, Jessica. These are just so good. Um, <laughs> there's so many tweetables here. I just love it. But I guess now this has all been pretty personal, but I want to get even more personal with you. And you kind of alluded to this before, but I want to ask you if you would walk us through your morning routines, maybe like the first three things you do when you wake up and just kind of give us the specifics of how you start your day in addition to um, your beautiful tapping practice and why that's important to you and how the rest of your day goes. Great. Well, the tapping practice that I do is actually, I actually do it in the evening at the end of the day. Oh, okay. I'm that I set most intentions. Honestly, my morning isn't really that glamorous. I, the, the thing I do do is before getting out of bed, I do visualize what I want. And I make sure that my cell phone is, I don't sleep with my cell phone in my bedroom. Cause one of the things that I used to do is I used to wake up and then like check my emails and check Facebook and anything else on my phone while I was still in my bed. And I realized that that would just create an instant panic. You know, when I, I would read this email and think, oh, I got, you know, I got to get up. And so I make sure that my phone's in the other room and that I don't, uh, I don't check emails or anything first thing in the morning. So I just, um, I get up. I'm, I was born in Argentina. I can't have a morning without mate. People call it yerba mate. I drink it like from a gore, like the old, the, the very Argentine way. Um, so cool. And I make sure that when I'm um, having my breakfast, that I just have a moment to have my breakfast. I'm not eating my breakfast in front of the computer. You know, I'm just having a moment to, like, have my breakfast. And then, you know, I just I just get ready for work. So I don't sit and do any – I don't really sit and, like, meditate. And then – and then I, I do – oh, I do work out. But, again, like, it's always I, – I work out on a, reg, you know, on a regular basis. Um, sometimes it's in the mornings and sometimes it's in the evenings. I just have it planned – the, you know, a few days before I kind of know I can look at my schedule and go, you know what, this morning, I start right off with an interview at 9am. I just feel like having like a slower morning. And then so I'm going to work out in the evening and make sure I don't have like dinner plans or something. So I, I am always definitely taking time to move my body is essential for me. So I just but I don't have like in the exact routine that I do every single day. It's the same exact thing. I just make sure I fit it in. And I do that by figuring it out a few days before, like based on what my schedule looks like. I love that. Do you have a specific exercise um, routine that you do or something that you has been really working for you lately? I think the key is to do whatever feels good. And I think you have to switch it up. One of the things, I talk about it in my book. I have a whole chapter on exercise. I used to see people running, women running, and they annoyed me because I just didn't understand why you'd ever run unless you were being chased. Like, I'd be like, who runs for fun? Uh, and a lot of that was because when I was a kid and I would be in gym class or even at soccer practice, and if I wasn't paying attention, which was often, I was told to go run laps. And that was my punishment. So for me, running equaled punishment. But when I... I address that belief with tapping and I have a godmother who runs and she, she said to me, she's 55 years old, still runs almost every day. And she said to me, I don't time myself. I don't even know how long I run. It's just my 
meditation. And I thought to myself, what if instead of looking at exercise as this thing I need to do to burn calories, because that wasn't that mindset wasn't working for me. What if I looked at moving my body as a deeper form of healing and as a spiritual experience? And so um, running was really has become really big for me. And um, I run maybe like three times a week. And some, a lot of times I don't time myself. I just go and I run by the water and I just like have that moment to myself. I really like uh, the new thing that I'm into is I like lifting weights because, um, I'm sorry, my phone is ringing in the back. Hopefully it's not too okay. Um, I really like lifting weights because it's, it, it builds strength. And for me, again, like, because I would always go on these crazy exercise kicks in order to lose weight, and for me, exercise was a form of punishing myself for being fat, I had to really change the way that I looked at exercising. And the reason that I kind of, that I like doing weights is that it's not about losing weight or calories or whatever. You, you, I literally feel it. Like, I feel stronger. Like, I pick something up. You know, or I live on a three-story walk-up and I carry my suitcase and I'm like, yeah, I got this. And I feel like the stronger you feel physically, the stronger you feel emotionally. And the stronger you feel emotionally, the stronger you feel physically. I think they both impact each other. So I really like to run three times a week. And then uh, I really like to do anything that involves weights, whether it's a class at the gym or just doing like a video by myself. I love that hearing that you weren't a runner and just started to do it. And it was something that you really like were patient with yourself and really built up. That's, that's really cool and super inspiring. Thank you. It's a, and I want to say for people who think, who are like, I would like to start running, right. but don't know. One of the things is like when I started, sometimes I'd run and sometimes I'd walk and I wouldn't judge myself. I was getting out there, you know, I was moving my body. So, so often, you know, people are like, well, I need to do interval training to lose the weight. And like, yes, interval training is fantastic for your body. But if you hate exercising, like you're not going to stick with interval training, you know, like you're going to resent it. So, um, so when it comes to running, like just get out there, start moving your body, be fine with taking the first step. And then there's moments like some days I just run. And then there's some moments where I just like doing like the sprint, slower run, sprint, slower run. Because now I'm feeling more like an athlete. Like, it's fun. But you have to be willing to allow yourself to get to these certain points and just make sure that you are enjoying it. Because if you're not enjoying it at some level, you're never going to stick with it. Mm, Such a good quote right there. Um, Okay, cool. Well, this has been amazing, and the time has flown by. But before we wrap with a quick tapping, I have a few quickfire questions for you. Is that okay? Let's go for it. Okay. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, okay. Okay. Favorite color? Purple. Favorite beauty ritual? Washing my face slowly. Favorite day of the week? Thursday. Favorite hour of the day? Four o'clock. Favorite fall vegetable? Squash. Favorite fruit? Raspberries. Favorite way to relax? Looking out in nature. If you could have one superhero power for a day, what would it be? Oh my goodness. That's a tough one. <laughs> really tough one. I think first thing that pops in my mind is speed reading, but that is only because that's what I heard Warren Buffett say. And I always thought that it was a brilliant thing. Someone asked Warren, no, was it? Yeah, I think it was Warren Buffett. They asked him, What's one super, if you could have one superpower, and he said to be a, a speed reader. 
like to get really get through like so much information. I think that would be like amazing. Uh, but in in like actual superpowers that you see on t- on in comic books, I'd have to go with flying. I'd totally be down to fly with flying around town. Yeah, that'd be real cool. Um, what's one food that you eat almost every day? Oh, that's a great question. Definitely salads. And I, I think that you need to make, I hate bad salads. You need to make salads sexy. Mm. That's when I say salads, I don't want to be like, like a salad. I do sexy salads. What does that mean to you? What are your favorite toppings and sprinkles on your salad? So I like, I really like arugula and I like spinach. So don't give me that iceberg lettuce stuff. Not, no way. Um, and then I, I, I love like pine nuts. I love avocados. I love sauteed onions. Yum. Is it lunchtime what? yet? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Uh, I love, you know, tomatoes. I love mushrooms. That's it. I just kind of, what I do do is like, on Sundays, I'll actually make a bunch of salads for the week. Like I'll use like leftover Tupperwares, like from you get from delivery. I got this idea from from my brother Alex, and it's in my sister in law do it. And I just put a bunch of lettuce and the things that won't go bad by cutting them, you know, like cherry tomatoes, um, and I have them in there so that like all I have to do is like pop it open and then stick. You know, if I want some like tuna or anything else, like I stick all of that in there and then. Yeah, I, I dinners I, I make a little bit more. Uh, dinners are different, but lunch definitely every day. I just have like a big sexy salad. Mm, sounds so good. So, do you have a go to breakfast? Do you eat kind of the same thing every day, or do you have a different thing? Uh, yeah, I have the Vega. It's like a Vega shake. I just and it's in um. I do the chai flavor. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. It has like probiotics and. Uh, it has like some greens and some protein and some fiber and it's, you know, it's tasty and easy. I don't wake up that like really hungry. So I have that. And then I have, I, I drink mate. I drink like a, a full thermos. Cause you, like you have a thermos and then you have like the gore that has the mate leaves in it. And then like a straw that has like holes in it. Actually, I'm literally, as I'm talking to you, I have it next to me. Cause I've been drinking it. Oh my gosh. I've got to see it. You'll have to like send us a photo or something. Literally right now, so people can see where I was with the interview and, and my latte. So I, it looks, I get made fun of my friends. They're like, that looks disgusting. It's just a very Argentine thing. Everyone passes it around. It's a very, I love it. And it's incre- It's really healthy for you. So I have, I drink a thermos of that. So I don't have a big breakfast, but that also means I have to eat at 12. <laughs> like, like not 12, 30, not 1 o'clock. Like by 12, I'm hungry and ready to sit down for lunch. I love that. Your body knows that and you're kind of just in the, in the mood. Well, yeah. thinking, um... Staying with the topic of food, do you have a go-to snack maybe in the afternoon or something that you kind of turn to? I don't actually. I'm not that I'm not that big of a snacker. Like I definitely have I have um almonds in the cupboard and I have some apples. I mean, I really love cutting up an apple and putting cinnamon on it. Mm, the best. It's like sitting with it. I just oh, that's like my favorite. So good. To be honest, like I'm not a really I'm not a real big snacker cuz I used to like, I used to have, my problem when I was emotionally eating is I would have, like, a box of cereal bars, 
and there'd be like six bars and I would literally eat the box in a standing and that doesn't happen anymore. So like I could have cereal bars in my house would be completely fine. But I find that like a lot of the snack foods, they just have so much sugar in them that not this literally has nothing to do with with weight or even health as much as just energy. So if I have like a, a, a snack, I sometimes find that I crash soon after. I just notice that like my, my energy plummets. So I tend to just drink like, you know, a, a ton of water and then, yeah, once in a while I love to have, um, some fruit. I love that. Um, so getting back to our couple more quick fire questions, do you have a favorite movie? <sighs> oh my goodness. Um, Finding Neverland and The Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. Nice. Which- Probably they're like, oh, the the classic one with Colin Firth is like so much better. But I love the cinematography. Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite books. And I love the one with Karen Knightley. I love that. She's great. How about a favorite book? I would say, yeah, Pri- yeah Pride and Prejudice is one. I don't know why. I like read it every <laughs> I just read it every year. I just like how Elizabeth Bennett is like, um, she's just smart and witty and I just li- I just like her. I like that. I like the whole story and the premise. Um, and then, what's another favorite book? Your brother's book. Your book. <laughs> so obviously, like my brother's book and my book. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I love my book. I love my brother's book as well. But wait, I want to really think about like what's another like classic that I like. I really oh um, my favorite uh, my favorite novel is. The Fall of Giants by Ken Follett that only came out a few years ago. I'm really into historical fiction, and I think fiction is so important to read. If we get, especially when we get into like personal development, we can tend to just read self help. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, really big place for fiction, and I think fiction helps you be a better person. <laughs> I do. I think fiction, like reading historical novels, I feel like I'm learning about history. It puts my life in perspective. I learn about the way people are. I mean, obviously it's fiction, so the character is made up, but I think what what great fiction does is you relate to it so much because the author has a brilliant way of tapping into human emotions and reactions and responses. And so I think, I think reading fiction is really important. I couldn't agree more. It's so easy to get wrapped up in self-help and constantly learning, constantly listening, and really having that vacation for your mind is is super crucial absolutely oh and then okay wait other fa- favorite book is jane goodall's reason for hope nice um, love jane goodall like i've loved her since i was a little kid so i love that book good so many good links to put below and i've got some reading to do <laughs> um so one last big question for you and then maybe we could go through just a really quick tap but um where would you like to see tapping in 10 years say I'd like it to be as common as meditation and yoga and something that people are just really open and talking about. And I really believe that that is possible. And and I just, I see that happening. If we think about meditation, we hear about meditation all the time, but when we were kids, no one talked about meditating. I I was talking to um, Serena Dyer, whose dad is Wayne Dyer. And she was telling me that like people would call her house and she'd be like, oh, sorry, my mom's meditating. She can't pick up the phone right now. And people would think she was absolutely nuts because knew what meditation even was. They were like, are you into some weird cult? (laughs) 
like in meditation is just so common and so open and people think, oh, you know, I need to meditate on that or I was meditating and I came up with this idea. So I think uh, my hope that in 10 years is that tapping becomes that where people go, oh, you know, I had this stress and I was tapping on it and I realized, you know, and they share their aha moment. I love that. Well, it's going to happen and you and your brother and the Tapping Solution brothers are doing such great work to really get this out there and get people to understand the greatness of this technology. So thank you so much for your amazing work, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you. Well, maybe we could just um, talk through a simple tap um, going through something that I'm dealing with just so people have an idea of this technology and can kind of follow along with us. Sure, I'd love that. You up for it? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Sorry that this interview's gone a little bit long, but I think we're just getting so much great information pe for people. Problem. Yeah, that means. Okay, cool. So um, maybe we could tap on. I've shared this with my um, followers a little bit that I'm dealing with some skin healing and healing some skin problems that I'm having. So maybe I could just get super honest about that and people could see how um, being authentic and being honest is really what makes this work. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So, um, yeah, so tell me a little bit more about what do you mean when you say the skin challenges? I've been struggling and healing very well naturally my acne that I was going through on my skin and I felt all this pressure having this wellness blog that I had to be kind of like you talked about had to be perfect had to be out there and living what I'm you know practice what I preach and it was something that was really holding me back from actually healing it until I really got honest about it and said look, this is what I'm dealing with and trying to be authentic about it. So that's kind of where I'm with it right now. Okay. Okay. So what would, so we're going to go about this. Uh, there's few different ways that you could go about this. Let's, so let me just ask some questions and, and we'll just see what, what resonates. So when you think about your, when you think about the acne, if that acne was an emotion, what emotion would it be? Hmm. Think fear. Hmm. Okay. And what would be if there was any downside to getting rid of the acne? Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next be week. But until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me really at Katie Dalebout and our guests with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness enough. Wonderland on Facebook. So we can all hang out there and discuss how okay, inspired right. we are so and how we'll apply a, it in our a, daily a lives. And never miss another episode of Post from Me by signing up for email updates on the wellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland. You barely feel it. Where would you put it in the, on the scale? I think since, since I've been tapping on it, it's gone down a bit. But I would have to say probably like a, a five or six. Okay. Or six. Okay. And is there something in particular that you felt like if you didn't have this acne that you would then have to do that scares you? Mm, I think fully putting myself out there in more ways and doing more things with people physically, not just behind the computer. And I think um, that's just kind of what's coming through with me right now. Right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So when you think about this fear of putting yourself out there, 
actually, we already took the numbers. So it's five. To, it's between a five and a six. So let's start doing some tapping. Okay. So we're gonna start on the karate chop point. And for everybody that's listening, even if you might not have this specific challenge, still tap along with us. It's really amazing how by just repeating the words, your mind will make a connection to a similar challenge. Or you might think about something that's stressing you out. Maybe you have a fear of of stepping up or feeling like with weight, oh, if I lost this weight, then it means I'd have to do this other thing that scares me. Or if I didn't have this physical pain, then it means that I have to go for this dream and that scares me. So think about something around that fear of shining that comes up and just uh, create that intention, focus on it as we go through the tapping. So starting on your karate chop point, even though I have all this fear, even though I have all this fear, that's showing up like acne, that's showing up like acne. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. Even though this acne, even though this acne is expressing my fear, is expressing my fear, and trying to get my attention, and trying to get my attention. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. Even though I have this acne, even though I have this acne, and I'm having trouble getting rid of it, and I'm having trouble getting rid of it. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. And I'm okay. And I'm okay. Eyebrow point. All of this fear. All of this fear. Around what I would have to do. Around what I would have to do. Under the eye. If I didn't have this problem. If I didn't have this problem. Under the nose. It doesn't feel safe to shine. It doesn't feel safe to shine. Chin. It doesn't feel safe to put myself out there. It doesn't feel safe to put myself out there. Collarbone, it doesn't feel safe to be physically present with someone. It doesn't feel safe to be physically present with someone. The arm, what if I can't meet up to their expectations? What if I can't meet up to their expectations? Top of the head, what if they don't think I'm good enough? What if they don't think I'm good enough? Eyebrow, it's safer to hide behind this acne. It's safer to hide behind this acne. Side of the eye, and to hide behind this computer screen. And to hide behind this computer screen. Under the eye, all of this hiding... All of this hiding. Under the nose, it doesn't feel safe to shine. It doesn't feel safe to shine. Chen, what if they judge me? What if they judge me? Collarbone, what if they think I'm a fraud? What if they think I'm a fraud? Under the arm, what if they think I don't know what I'm talking about? What if they think I don't know what I'm talking about? Top of the head, all of this pressure. All of this pressure. Eyebrow, to be perfect. To be perfect. By the eye, and to have it all figured out. And to have it all figured out. Under the eye, and to be this person. And to be this person. Under the nose, for all these other people. For all these other people. Chen, maybe it's safe to let this go. Maybe it's safe to let this go. Collarbone, maybe I can shine. Maybe I can shine. The arm, even with the acne. Even with the acne. Top of the head, maybe I'm okay with this acne. Maybe I'm okay with this acne. Eyebrow, maybe I'm enough with this acne. Maybe I'm enough with this acne. Side of the eye, it's safe to shine. It's safe to shine. Maybe I, exactly where I am. Exactly where I am. Under the nose, I have something to say. I have something to say. Chin, and my voice can be heard. And my voice can be heard. Collarbone, exactly where I am. Exactly where I am. Under the arm, I let go of this need to fix. I let go of this need to fix. Top of the head, I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. Eyebrow, I love and accept this acne. I love and accept this acne. Side of the eye, and thank it for all it's taught me. 
and thank it for all it's taught me. Under the eye, it's safe to let it go. It's safe to let it go. Under the nose, and even if I don't let it all go. And even if I don't let it all go. Ken, I'm still safe. I'm still safe. And I'm okay. And I'm okay. Under the arm, it's safe for me to shine. It's safe for me to shine. Tap of the head, to show my vulnerability. To show my vulnerability. Eyebrow and all of my strengths. And all of my strengths. Side of the eye, I have something to say. I have something to say. Under the eye, and it's safe for me to say it. And it's safe for me to say it. Under the nose, exactly where I am now. Exactly where I am now. Chin, it's safe to feel confident and strong. It's safe to feel confident and strong. Collarbone, exactly where I am now. Exactly where I am now. Under the arm, it's safe to shine. It's safe to shine. Top of the head, exactly where I am now. Exactly where I am now. And I take a deep breath in. So how that was just one, it was a few rounds, but from that, did anything come up? Do you feel any change in your body when you think about that fear of shining? I feel lighter. I feel like energized and that I just want to go out in the world and do things. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing, you know, we we all have those different moments and you know, the acne is very similar with how I address the weight. We think like, well, if I only could lose this weight, then I could do all of these things. And we let it hold us back and it's never, you know, that acne is not stopping you. For someone who's listening that has extra weight, the extra weight's not stopping you. We think it is, but it's not. We still have so much to say. We have so much to give. And when we stop allowing it to have so much control over us and take our power and our energy of being obsessed with fixing it, Oftentimes we find that that's when we have the real transformation because instead of focusing on I can't do this or be out there until I get rid of this acne, we focus on I'm ready to be out there. And once you start taking those steps, it's amazing how your body begins to respond. Mm. Amazing. Jessica, thank you so much. This has been amazing and you helped me personally so much and hopefully everybody listening can relate to that or have can take so many great insights that you gave us here. So thank you so much for visiting Wonderland. And I am so grateful for you and for everyone else for listening. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being so vulnerable. It's, it was an amazing interview. Thank you, Jess. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.